Time to go back to the beginning and do it all over again on Overview with Asteroid G. You're listening to Not So Life from Asteroid G. I'm Mike Finkelstein, and with me in the booth this week, as my co-hosts are still recovering from COVID, we have Sonny Rath. Um, you want to? I know you like me using your real name, but I'm just so awkward about that. It's all good. <laughs> This week, at your request, because I asked you what get, what you want to talk about, we are going to discuss the Mario series, which for some reason I haven't actually ever touched upon in a podcast. But I guess we should probably discuss the rules for this podcast. Because if we say we're going to cover everything that's Mario, we'll be here for the next week live on air. Oh, easily. <laughs> well, you see... Mario Strikers was different from Mario Super Strikers. No, no, no. We are we are not getting into the weeds on everything Mario here. So, uh, we want to stick to the platforming games, the history of that, and most of, like, the, I guess, the 2D and 3D area for those, and leave everything else off as just footnotes. Yeah, we're not going to really jump into the sports games too terribly much. We're just going to stick to the mainline platforming Mario games. Group. Starting with, of course, the origination of Mario prior to him actually being called Mario with Donkey Kong, him being Jumpman and Toadstool or Peach not being known as Toadstool or Peach, but Pauline. There's a heavy debate that Jumpman and Mario are two different characters, but overall, I'd consider them one and the same. I mean, I'd go with what Miyamoto says, and he considers them the same character. So if he considers them the same character, they're the same character. Exactly. <laughs> he made it. He'd know. <laughs> it's like saying, no, 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 George Lucas didn't intend this scene this way. And Lucas going, I totally did. It's my scene. I can say what I want on it. Miyamoto exactly. would know. You know? <laughs> but well, with the origins of Mario being back to Donkey Kong, you have to think about how simplistic of a game that was back in the time. Especially well, with it being during the heyday of our Arcade games. Yeah, that's the thing about it is, is the arcade games at that time period were simple affairs. I mean, it Pong had been around for a little while. You had Space Invaders. You had a few others, Asteroid. There, there was a, a slow shift towards trying to put like some some better features in scrolling, having it be more than a single screen. But most of what arcade gaming was, Donkey Kong included, was a one screen affair. You had everything that you needed to do on one screen, and you did it. The innovation of Donkey Kong at the time, of course, was that once you'd finished one screen, you moved on to the next screen. It wasn't like with Pac-Man, where you got one maze 255 times. You got four different things to accomplish throughout the arcade game to give you four different experiences before it looped and did it again and again until you finally got the kill screen. Yes, and getting to the kill screen took a very long time to do, as that was, I believe, all of 37. Something like that. It's it's ridiculously high for someone, you know, like me, that can get through the game once and then somehow die somewhere on, like, level 5 or 6 of it, basically. Yep. Yeah, so. But no, there is something about Donkey Kong itself that's special. Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong 2, you know, Donkey Kong Jr., not so much Donkey Kong 3, but that's its own thing. We'll discuss those when we do a Donkey Kong cast, but... Yeah, though Donkey Kong Jr. does have a place in here as that actually turns Mario into the antagonist. One of the only times he's ever done that. (laughs) Yeah, but what's... Well, and Donkey Kong introduces the basic mechanics of Mario, although they're not really as refined as they would be in later games. His, His single jumping that just moves him forward, you're pretty much committed to your jump when he does that. Uh, The hammer that would show up again in later games... Uh, that gives you temporary invincibility, although, again, his invincibility would uh, morph over time. Uh, and it mm-hmm. gave us the villain of Donkey Kong, who was later replaced by other villains that kind of st- stood in the same scope of what he did. A big animal kidnapping a woman. And that trope continued through the entirety of the Mario series. Yeah, he swapped out a, uh, a ape for a d- d- dinosaur, but otherwise... His whole plotline has not evolved since Donkey Kong. Nope. Nope. Minus the collectibles, of course, but that's... <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. The... So... Yes. I was going to go ahead and continue on from the Donkey Kong games to 
the first Mario Brothers title, which was Mario Brothers. It was. For the arcade as well. And, and that, that was the first time Luigi actually came around. It was. Mario Brothers holds a certain place in the series because of what it adds to the to the canon. It adds the Koopas, which act slightly differently there. Uh, it adds pipes. It adds fireballs. Not, not that you get to shoot them, but they are in the present in the game. Uh, the the certain elements of what would become Mario Brothers, even like the bonus game stages with the coins, are evident there. Um, it's just that the mix of them changes, and Mario Brothers is still a very single screen adventure. Like that one's even more limited in its scope than Donkey Kong is, because that one screen is just basically repeated ad nauseum. Though that one screen does evolve a bit throughout the levels as you eventually hit points where the floor becomes ice and mm -hmm. you have to deal with the ice physics. But that's about 15 or 20 levels in, something like that. Most people don't make it that far because it's a very simple game. Not easy, just simple. Exactly. And two extra enemies that got added in during the time of Mario Brothers were the Fighter Fly and the Crab Enemy that I can't entirely remember what its name was. Yeah. I don't remember most of them. I just know Koopa because he keep the little guys keep showing up everywhere. But the flies do show up again in the Game Boy title of uh, Mario Land. They do. Mm -hmm. One of the few enemies to return from there outside of the Koopa itself. But exactly, it's an evolution you have there because Mario's in attack in this is more about his uh, jump than like jumping over things. He doesn't really attack at all in Donkey Kong unless you get the invincibility. Uh, he has the ability to pop care, uh, monsters up from underneath by jumping into blocks, something that would become more of a factor of the breaking blocks in later games. Um, so there's like there's a steady growth from Donkey Kong to Mario Brothers to what would eventually become Super Mario Brothers. But Super Mario Brothers isn't just an evolution for Mario itself. It's an evolution of the whole platforming concept at that point. It became a full evolution on the platforming genre and is probably the grandfather mm -hmm. of the entirety of the platforming genre. As it exists. Similar, yeah, yeah, as it exists, similar to the original Castlevania, which we did the last time I was around. Um, but Super Mario Brothers brought side-scrolling into play and actually gave the ability to go into cloud heavens or down warp pipes into bonus areas it even brought different themes with underground levels snow levels etc um and had slightly harder platforming than one would really expect for a very early game on the Nintendo Entertainment System. It defined Nintendo hard when it needed to be defined at that point. That's a lot of what you see in the early uh, Nintendo experience is about trying to milk as much game time as they can out of the players. So instead of creating a long adventure, which wasn't really possible on the tiny carts they had at the time, uh, memory-wise, uh, they created hard adventures that would just take you longer to get through them. You're going to get your $60 worth, and that means... Punishing minute after punishing minute. Which I think at that time it was either 30 or $40. I don't remember off yeah, the top of my head. Yeah, probably something around there. Well, and if you picked it up the right time, it was packed in free with the Nintendo. But Yep, and that was at the start of the Nintendo's life cycle. Mm -hmm. But that's... It's, it's interesting to look at that because what Mar Super Mario Brothers brought to the platforming genre was scrolling. That's the most important feature of it. Because you can look at previous ones, Pitfall, Pitfall 2... Plenty of the little uh, platforming games for, like, the Spectrum and all the old PC-type uh, computers from way back in the day. They were based on the idea of arcade games, which were, by and large, non-scrolling affairs. Few games so. of that era scrolled. That scrolling was not something that you just expected. It was mostly single-screen affairs. If you went off the edge of the screen, the game moved to a new screen. That was how it did, quote-unquote, scrolling. Um, Mario didn't do that. Mario was built from the... Well, Mario was built to take advantage of what the NES could do and add a new realm of exploration to it. The NES being a system that was built specifically to run Donkey Kong. Uh, and then was pushed beyond its basic scope because Nintendo had to sell more than Donkey Kong. 
Which they really did. Uh, yeah. I mean, the yeah. Nintendo was a beast. It was the game system of the era. Like, uh, it, Nintendo hasn't ever had that position again, but for one generation, they were the game console. Uh, they they had it for a couple generations, and I'll, I'll get into more on that <laughs> once we actually hit that point. But yeah, so... But... The Mario series on the NES, ignoring all the weird off titles that he'd show up in, and I'll even ignore uh, Wrecking Crew, even though I think technically it came before uh, Mar Super Mario Brothers. The Mario series of the NES generation is defined by four games. Three that you, those of us in the U.S. knew, which was Mario 1, Mario 2, and Mario 3. And three in the J Japan, Japan, which was Mario 1, Mario 2, and Mario 3, but not the same Mario 2. <laughs> Exactly, and that's where I was going to ask you the question of which do you consider to be the actual Mario 2, the one we got here in the U.S., or Super Mario Bros. 2 in Japan, which is later known as the Lost Levels here in the U.S.? Well, it's, it's the thing of which one had the larger cultural impact on the series. And while Mario 2 Japan is certainly the official one as far as purists are going to, you know, point to... That's the one that they made. That's the right one. And the one that we got was Doki Doki Panic, which actually has a longer Japanese name. I'm not going to get into. But, you know, it was just a cross-conversion port that was then given a Mario skin. In all honesty, Mario Brothers 2 USA is the one that had the greater impact. Uh, Peach and her floaty mechanics, Luigi with his big, weird jumps, a bunch of the enemies that were introduced there, a lot of other stuff. The things that were introduced in that game seem to have lasted longer than the few things that were in the Japanese one, the wind mechanics and the poison mushrooms. What can you point to in Mario Brothers 2 Japan that has lasted as long as everything that was introduced in Mario 2 uh, USA? So the poison mushrooms did make a return later on in the series, but they weren't used to their maximum potential, I'd say. No. But they do still at least last throughout the series. But I mean, if we're talking, if we're talking the enemies that came from Mario to USA, we still have Bezos, we still have Clydes, we still have um, Birdo, we have Ninjas. Like there, there were so many enemies that came around with Mario to USA that mm -hmm. still stick around even to this day and have even been added into other games, such as the Mario Maker series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To have their uses. And yeah, I mean, you look at like what wh what's lasted since then. I mean, Wart showed up in the first Game Boy Legend of Zelda game. Mm -hmm. You can look at uh, Super Mario 3D World and point to the fact that it's basically a sequel to Mario Brothers 2. Like an official full-blown one, like all the characters control the same way. It's just 3D landscapes. So it's both a sequel to Mario 3D Land and Super Mario Brothers 2, which is amazing. You can't exactly. point to the same kind of sequeling of the lost levels in that regard. It's this weird expansion pack that sometimes its levels showed up in other things, Mario Verse or like Mario Brothers Deluxe, but that's just reusing stuff from it. It hasn't had the long tail that Super Mario 2 USA has had. No, and the closest thing you could call it a sequel to is the original Super Mario Brothers, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. Yep. But. The next title in the series. Oh man, this title brought a whole lot to the table. Oh, it did. And it brought a, it that's brought, right. It brought its own movie, The Wizard, with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, with but, all of the secrets of the warp whistles, oh the Hammer Brothers suit, the Tanuki suit, Raccoon Mario. So much. I mean, and Karibo's shoe. Like, the whole thing about Super Mario Bros. 3 is that it basically, more than the previous two games that came before it, set the template for how the series was going to move from that point forward. Mario, Mario World was an evolution of it. Everything that came after Mario World plays on the mechanics of Mario Bros. 3 and Mario World. Sure, the flagpoles made a return in later series just because they're, uh, like, an amusing throwback, but, like... Everything that's come since Mario Brothers 3 has grown on Mario Brothers 3. That's that's our seminal title right there. That's what defines it. And it was the cultural phenomenon. If you were alive when Mario Brothers 3 came out, you had to have Mario Brothers 3 or you worked cool. 
Exactly. <laughs> and it it brought so many great aspects to the table. It brought P-Speed, which yeah. became used yeah. in later iterations of the Mario games and is still used to this very day. Yeah. And it brought mini games it brought a map for each individual world worlds yep. one through eight grassland desert land waterland yep. big, uh, big land skyland iceland pipeland and darkland about the only thing that mario brothers 3 didn't include in some nascent form that super mario world basically built out further was the idea of multiple exits that actually led different directions on the world map other than exactly. that Everything was there in Mario Brothers 3 for the series to come. And my thoughts on that were is it was due to the limitations of the NES in and of itself mm -hmm. as it would make the ROM size too large yeah. for the NES to handle. Same reason why they wanted to put Yoshi in that game and then held off and did it later. It's just there was only so much they could cram in and they crammed a lot into that game. That was like that that one of the, that's one of those games that you look at and you go, this is Nintendo just pulling a like a classic blizzard right there and being like, this game's gonna be done when it's done. Oh exactly, but with Super Mario Brothers 3, it was most definitely worth the wait. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, though no, that was like, you can point to a lot of games on the NES that are great. And I, there maybe there's even some some NES games that you might think are better. Like, I mean, you and I will both play Final, the shit out of Final Fantasy, uh, especially in the randomizer. But I don't know the last time I went back and revisited any version of Super Mario Bros. 3. But as far as the defining title for what an NES collection has to have, the game you need if you own an NES, it's Mario 3. I, I would absolutely agree. And then the second title behind that is the original Castlevania, and then the third one being Castlevania 3. I, thought, I, I really want to cut in there before you could finish your thought and be like, The Adventures of Bayou Billy. No, that's the fourth one. It's a terrible game. Don't, don't play Bayou <laughs> Billy. It's awful. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. It's, it's, it's so bad. But, but no, yeah, like... Everything about Mario that you expect is there, like in Mario Brothers Three. Everything you were talking about—the fortresses, the um, not the ghost houses, but there were still mini fortresses and mega fortresses, and the mini fortresses were basically like the ghost houses. Uh, the, right. The big fortresses evolved out of the airships, uh, but airships still show up occasionally too. Uh, they do. They do. They do. So much of it, like the the multiple warp paths on the the overworld secrets and other things to explore special houses everything everything is there despite and, being an nes game it's super complete for the series and the one thing we've overlooked that mario 3 also brought to the table mm -hmm. that is still used fairly often is the inventory system yes it is it, it pops up from time to time wasn't really present in super mario world the inventory system there was really stripped down but it comes back from time to time and the other thing that it brought that no has never shown up again, brunette Peach. Yes. Yep. She looks so much better as a brunette. I don't know why she why she bleaches her hair. It just doesn't work. Because Daisy came around, which leads into the next set of titles: the Super Mario Land titles, Super Mario Land, Super Mario Land Two, the Six Golden Coins, and Super Mario Land Three, which actually was Wario Land. That's the one I think we probably shouldn't take as big yeah, of a won't. look. We won't touch upon that. The Wario Land series went weird. Now, the, I mean, we can skip ahead to it for a second. Wario Land, uh, Super Mario Land 3, is probably the closest to being a traditional Mario game because after that, the, the mechanics really evolved. But it's the first two games in that series that are the most interesting for what we're discussing. Mario Land being basically a pint-sized little edition of essentially the first Super Mario Brothers Changed up mechanics, some different enemies, that kind of thing. But like that. Mario Land 2, however, is basically what if Nintendo tried to make Super Mario World, but on a Game Boy. However, they did also bring some very, very interesting stage concepts in with Super Mario Land 2 with Macro Zone and Mario Zone. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. They're 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 interesting and fun. And I mean, the Super Mario Land one is one of the only ga mainline games in the series that has shooter sections, like little sky blasting and, things. You, yeah. And both of those games don't have Bowser as the villain, similar to Super Mario Brothers two. Mm -hmm. 
in Mario Land 1, it's Tatanga, and in Mario Land 2, it's Wario. It's the real hero, Wario. But those are fun. I, I spent a lot of time playing through Super Mario Brothers, uh, Super Mario Land 2 over and over again because it really is a solid distillation of what Nintendo did on the Super Nintendo with uh, Super Mario World, which we actually haven't touched upon, but we can. Like, Mario World is a fantastic evolution of Mario Brothers 3. Doesn't really add a lot new in there besides Yoshi and secret exits to stages, but it's a very refined version of the formula of Mario Brothers 3. Then they took that and put it into Super Mario Land 2 as best as they could. Which I still think they did a very good job with Super Mario Land 2's oh, overworld yeah. system. Oh, yeah. Um, but we could move into Super Mario World from here. But before we do that, you want to guess what I have in my hand right now? I really don't know. A Japanese Super Mario Land 2 cartridge. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we were on the topic. Of I mean, Super they, they are cross-platform. You can play it on any Game Boy you have. It's region-free. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the nice part about that is it's all in English still. So mm -hmm. even if you're playing the Japanese cartridge, you still can read everything. But let's move on to Super Mario World. The introduction of Yoshi, the introduction of the cape, the most overpowered item in the entire Mario series, per my opinion. Oh my god, yeah. And the introduction of the ghost houses, the switch palaces, and Star World. Yeah, they've brought a lot of power-ups back in the series from time to time. I don't think they're ever bringing back the cape. That cape is too powerful. Oh, the cape was far too strong, as you could fly over whatever level you wanted to, as well as do many, many broken things with it. Yeah, you can you can take damage, and if you're in flight mode, you don't even actually lose your power up. You just gently sail to the ground. It's crazy what's in that game that they let slide through. It's certainly of the original Mario platformers, which we're pretty much reaching the end of that era. Um, it's the easiest. I would even make it. I would even classify it as slightly easier than Super Mario Land Two. It's just a very easy game. It is very easy, and that's why people made ROM hacks of Super Mario oh, World yeah. that Actually, are extremely difficult. They are, but yeah, no. Twelve-year-old me could one hundred percent that game. If twelve-year-old me could do something like that, this game is easy. Okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's but, fun. It's fun. It, it honestly holds up even now. There's, There was a style to Nintendo on the Super Nintendo. That console, despite being only quote-unquote 16-bit, had quality to its graphical effects. You, you couldn't always push it. You couldn't always get as much speed as the Sega Genesis could do. But it was lush. It was pretty. The people working on it knew what they were doing. The Super Nintendo had some of the best quality games of any era. Oh, yeah, which, I mean, it actually did get pushed beyond 16-bit with the EXGFX chip. Mm -hmm. And that's only prevalent in Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars, which, if I went into details on that game, I wouldn't be able to stop for about 20 minutes. Yeah, we'd be lost. I mean, that's a great game. It's one of my favorite Mario games, but it doesn't really suit what we're doing here. It does, however, point us in the direction of like, where the conversation goes, because, okay, so when we talked about Castlevania, we talked about basically the phases and the eras and how the the different games kind of group together naturally. The Mario oh, yeah. series is kind of bifurcated, basically. You've got your platformers, yeah. and then you've got your 3D platformers, and sometimes you have a weird crossover. The uh, Mario 3D Land and Mario 3D World are kind of one foot in both. But, like, for the most part, you've got your flat platformers and you've got your 3D platformers. Oh, exactly. And, I mean, we can say the same for all the following titles mm -hmm. with the platforming and 3D platforming because mm -hmm. there are aspects of both in each of the following games, excluding Super Mario 64, which really didn't have any 2D platforming, per se, but definitely had everything for 3d platforming one of the most well-known titles on the nintendo 64 the start of nintendo's 3d platforming era yeah the nintendo 64 was not a huge success for nintendo like 
the Super Nintendo was a, a good seller. It did beat the Sega Genesis, but the Sega Genesis was a very solid second run, like, and also ran, like, right there beside the Super Nintendo. Good battle between them. Um, the Nintendo 64 and Nintendo's decision to work in cartridges only on that console really hurt them. They lost a bunch of their third-party developers. Their games were too expensive to make, so a lot of people didn't want to work with them. Nintendo's controlling attitude of that era did not work in their favor, and the advantage that they'd had for two generations, plus the Game Boy, uh, was really squandered at that point. But, despite all of that, Super Mario 64 is a brilliant game and easily my favorite of the entire series. So, SM64... Being as well made of a game as it was, even still had its shortcomings with it, it really didn't offer very much replay value unless you decided to attempt to speed run it. But even outside of that, it got kind of dull. I don't know. See, I have a different opinion, but I mean, when I picked this up, I was kind of like 16. It was, like, one of my first, like, the first game console that I really spent all of my own money on and no one else's. I earned all of that with a paper out, and I went and I got my Nintendo 64. And there were, like, when it, I got it when it came out, and there were only, like, three good games on the Nintendo 64 at the time. So I picked up Super Mario because it's Mario. You, you, you gotta get the Mario. Uh, and I spent about a year playing that game because it wasn't just, like, exploring the game and doing all the basic stuff. It was, like, how many... So going through the levels and being like, how many coins can I get here? What's the maximum number of coins you can physically get in this stage? So I tried to max every single one where you could. Like some of them like Rainbow Ride. Yeah, like coins would fall oh, off and it was just too hard to get them all. But any stage where it was possible, I got every coin. Um, <laughs> to the point where in uh, Hazy Maze, there's those eyes that are on top of the pillars. Even though they look like they can't be killed. You can kill it's them and get those five coins. Yeah, it takes a lot, but you can do it. <laughs> it's difficult, it but is. it is very possible. It is possible. And yeah. SM64 definitely laid the groundwork mm -hmm. for Nintendo's future with the 3D platforming. I would argue uh, that it's the most, like, it's not the most refined version, but it's the best version of the concept. Because, oh. like, like, I will highly agree on okay, that. Because yeah. going through the later games, the only one of the games that's really held up for me, even close to what Nintendo Mario 64 tried, was uh, Odyssey. And even then, like, I got to a point where I'm like, I've done what I needed to do in this game. I don't need to play this anymore. I never felt that way of Mario 64. I still don't feel that way of Mario 64. But, well, like, Sunshine is too weird. Galaxy and Galaxy 2 have a cool mechanic to them, but it didn't hook me. Odyssey's okay. Like, I, I hate to be the one to say that, but it's like, it's okay. None of them are Mario 64. So, exactly. It, it laid the groundwork. It was the defining game for the 3D platforming era. But Nintendo decided to try to throw different spins and twists onto it, which led to Flood with Sunshine and the Luma in Galaxy and Galaxy 2 and Cappy in mm -hmm. Odyssey. But yeah. We'll, we'll expose upon those here in a little bit. Next up was Return to the 2D, or not the 2D platforming genre. It, next up was the second installment in the 3D platforming with Odyssey, or not Odyssey, Sunshine. 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 Yeah, this was the thing. Sunshine was billed as Mario 64 2. Everything you liked is going to be in here. I hated Sunshine. It is not a proper Mario game. Most of the time you're running around with a fucking squirt gun and blasting it shit. I'm like, this is not Mario. Give me some jumping. Give me some worlds to explore. Leave me the fuck alone while I go do it. And Sunshine, in my opinion, wasn't that bad of a game. But had some very major flaws on its sequencing. Yeah. Because with Super Mario 64, you were hard-locked into sequences. But with with Sunshine, you had to do Chapter 7 of every area in order to get Shadow Mario defeated, which after you defeated Shadow Mario in every area, you then were able to access Corona Volcano and be able to beat the game. And 
due to how that sequencing worked, if you ended up getting shines prior to when you were supposed to and be able to access that seventh chapter even faster, then you didn't really need to play much of the game. No. Well, that was the thing, is that, like, Mario 64 was an exploration game. It was Nintendo saying, how do we take the concept of Mario and apply it to a 3D world? And then, for the most part, like, some elements of Mario in there, but it didn't feel like a standard Mario game. Sunshine was... It lost a lot of the exploration. You had to go through certain things in a certain order, or if you sequence broke it, you then skipped huge chunks of the game that you never had to touch again. Um, but it also, like, it was weirdly hand-holdy and a very strange look for the game, and it just, it did a lot that didn't really work for me because it didn't really feel like a Mario game. Now, if they'd said it's says Luigi Sunshine, I would have been like, all right, whatever, go let Luigi have a thing. But the first Mario game to come fully since Mario 64 didn't feel like a Mario game. And we'll agree with that. And, I mean, the the Luigi game that did come around for the GameCube was Luigi's Mansion, and that was very, very well executed by Nintendo. Well, they were free and... to create their own thing there. And that, that's actually kind of weird in that regard, is that when you talk to people about Luigi's Mansion, uh, the first one is held up as the most, like, the best version of it, because in the later games, Nintendo once again felt the need to do weird shit with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it it also is one of the only games where Mario's the one that's being rescued. Mm -hmm. And it's that Mario and Mario is missing that I know of. Super are, Princess Peach. Oh yeah, and Super Princess Peach. I forgot about Super Princess Peach. Most people do. Because that game kind of went under the radar. Yeah. And it was a pretty good game. Mm -hmm. So yeah, from from there, the series really starts to split itself because we get the two galaxies, of which I'll admit I only played the first one of the two. Um, most people, when they talk about Mario Galaxy 2, is they, they, they discuss it in the same kind of terms as the Lost Levels. It's like, it's Mario Galaxy, again, with new things, but it's still Mario Galaxy, so yay. And I will say the highlight of Galaxy 2, in my personal opinion is getting that 242nd star of completing the perfect run on the Grandmaster Galaxy. You have <laughs> one health point. You take a hit, you're dead. So you have to play flawlessly in order to get that 242nd star. The the best thing you can say I can say about Mario Galaxy is that it had an interesting idea with its little planetoids that you bounce between. Instead of just being fixed on a single like world you got to move between worlds, and the little worlds had their own cool things that were going on in different shapes and so forth, and that's neat. The downside of Mario Galaxy is that it felt even more handholdy than Sunshine. You had to do things in a certain order, and the, the, like, the world would change and evolve for each star, which was cool, but it also meant that there was no fun of just free exploring and doing things your own way, like you could do in Mario 64. If you want it if you want to do things you had to do them in this order the game expected you to oh yeah yeah and we've we skipped a few games in the process because the game boy advance had the remakes of yeah. the Mario games and yeah. we also skipped another one on the super nintendo super mario world 2 yoshi's island see i consider super mario world 2 a yoshi game not a mario game i mean Super yes, Mario, Super, it is. Super Mario World 2 led into the Yoshi story and the other island games that came afterwards. It defined a Yoshi-style game with their own mechanics and how those games played. Uh, Yoshi's uh, knitted whatever and all that stuff. You know, Woolly World, that's what it is. Those are yep. Yoshi games. That's the Yoshi series. The Mario that, games are separate. But... Uh, I will go ahead and say that with Super Mario World 2, that did set the groundwork for Nintendo to be like, hey, we could have Yoshi be a standalone character. Yeah, which is great. He's his own series, though. And then it, we it, have remakes yeah, on the Game Boy Advance. I mean, I, I'm just saying, if Mario Land, uh, if Mario Land 3's Wario Land is the Wario series, 
Super Mario Super World, World 2, 2 is a Yoshi. Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it, it at least deserves a mention. Sure. Sure. Um, and the remakes are interesting in their own regard. It's like they, they took the game, at, each of the games from the NES and Super Mario World, and kind of dumbed them down a little. So I will say that they did in the case of Super Mario Advance and Super Mario Advance 2. But Super Mario Advance 4, which had Super Mario Bros. 3, also added a different thing into it with the e-reader at the time, allowing extra levels, extra power-ups, and all sorts of other things to be obtained. And Super Mario Advance 4 also had the return of the glorious cape. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're fine. I never really played the Game Boy Advance remakes. They were fine. Like, I had... um. The uh, Super Mario All-Stars, which was just the Super Nintendo version of them, which for the most part were mechanically pure to the NES games, aside from the inability in the original Mario to jump over the piranha plants. Um, But they were mechanically fairly pure to the original games. The Game Boy Advance ones, I'm like, I didn't need to pick them up because I had the Super Nintendo edition, and I think I would have been irritated by the changes made to those games. They, They did make some questionable changes, I'll put it that way. They made Super Mario World or Super Mario Brothers 2 much easier and very weird, honestly. Yeah, they, they changed the physics of Mario 2 just ever so slightly enough to where it doesn't feel like Mario 2. Yeah. But with Mario World, they left the physics the same, and they actually allowed the option to switch between Mario and Luigi, depending upon who you wanted to use mm-hmm. for your playthrough. Yeah. And then with Advance 4, Mario Bros. 3, it's actually pretty much the same Mario 3, hmm. just Super Nintendo-style graphics on the Game Boy Advance. Which the there Game Boy go. Advance was good at. And the another one that we skipped, the return to the 2D platforming genre, was New Super Mario Bros. Wii. That, that can't, we didn't skip it. We hadn't gotten that far yet. New Super Mario Brothers 3 was the launch title on the Wii. Was it? I thought it came after Galaxy. It came right before Galaxy. Galaxy was the next title on the The, Wii. I will say the new Super Mario Brothers games, I I played the first one. Um, I didn't didn't pick up the ones, uh, I didn't pick up New Super Mario Brothers on the uh, Wii U. It was DS. There was New Super Mario Brothers DS, New Super Mario Brothers Wii U. that came after, yeah. And SMB Wii. Yep. I played and... I played Wii and I think I played Wii U. I didn't play Luigi U, but I played Wii and Wii U. Those were fun. Like the Wii U one felt a lot like Wii, and I'm like, okay, I've kind of played this before. And that's kind yeah. of the general opinion most people have among the what, four or five of the new Super Mario games that are out there. Once you've played one, you've played the updated version of Mario Brothers Three, which these all basically are. And they're fun, but you've played them. But there was one power-up that New Super Mario Brothers on the DS brought in that really hasn't been been seen since. And that was the Koopa Shell power-up. Yeah, I don't even remember it. So, as soon as you hit P-Speed, Mario would go into the Koopa Shell and you would just be controlling the Koopa Shell only able to jump. Oh, that's cool. While moving, if you hit a wall, you bounced off the wall <laughs> like a Koopa shell would. That's kind of cool. I mean, I like them. I the, the, the those games definitely go all in on the uh, collectathon experience. Like they kind of started doing that with the uh, the Game Boy Advance remake of Mario World, where you could play play through and try and collect all the dragon coins to one hundred percent the game. But like for Mario Brothers, New Super Mario Brothers. And all the games that came after, you had to get those star coins if you wanted the full experience of the game. And that's fine, but at a certain point, I kind of get bored with collectathons. And that's fair. The collectathon definitely wasn't for everybody. Mm-hmm. But we did miss a power up in Super Mario Brothers 3, now that I think about it, that also hasn't really made a return the frog suit. Oh, I was going to say Kurbo's shoe, but sure. Yeah, we haven't seen Kurbo's shoe come back in a long time. Well,. I take that back. Karibo Shoe actually does make a return in uh, Mario Maker, but... Nope. This is what we need. The next game Nintendo's put out, New Super Mario Brothers Shoe. All shoe, all the time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But no, the frog suit's fun. 
frog suit's dumb. Like, it's great in the water and absolute ass out of the water, but it was amusing to use it. Unlike its counterpart, which is the updated version that came out in New Super Mario Brothers being the penguin suit, which was great both in water and out of water. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. As it really was, as you were able to fire snowballs and freeze enemies. I gotta say, of the late-era Mario games, the one that I liked the best was uh, Mario 3D World. That is a fun game. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. That was everything. I, like, I played Mario uh, 3D Land, and that was okay. Like, I liked it. I got to a point where I was kind of like, okay, I've, I've seen everything this game has to offer. But I played the crap out of Mario 3D World right up until I basically unplugged my Wii U. I played the crap out of that game because it was fun. So, with 3D Land, it brought back the Tanuki suit, but 3D World introduced a completely new power-up with the cat suit. Oh, man. That power-up. Yeah. The climbing, the sailing, the dive-kicking. It's a a great power-up. It left its mark Mm -hmm. for many, many fans of the Mario series. And had the perfect combination of 2D and 3D platforming. Yes. That it, it didn't matter how many times you played the levels, it never felt stale. Mm-mm, no. More than Mario 3D Land, that one was the perfect blend of all of Mario, like, together. Mario Odyssey does weird little 2D sections on, like, the sides of buildings and so forth. But it's definitely trying to be the next Mar- Super Mario 64 and kind of doing okay at it. But Mario 3D World is, like, the best Mario we've gotten in a long time. I will wholeheartedly agree with that. And with its remake on the Switch being 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, Mm -hmm. the Bowser's Fury side of it is actually fairly interesting and somewhat difficult, even if you're a veteran platformer. The one thing that it lacks is the thing that I really liked about the, the main part of the game, which was getting your five characters once you unlock, you know, uh, what's her name? Princess... Rosalina. Thank you. I want to say Paulina, and I'm like, no, that's that's a combination there. Uh, Rosalina, once you got your five characters and you played through, like, the, the levels felt different, which each of the characters you were playing as. Uh, playing the uh, Bowser's Fury, you're stuck to Mario, and I'm like, part of what I really liked is missing from this game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And... A lot of people liked Bowser's Fury. A lot of people didn't like Bowser's Fury. I'm one of those that I see the good and the bad in it, and oh, I combine them both for its own unique experience. It certainly has its interesting moments, and I appreciate that they put it out there and gave people a reason to pick up the game again. It's nice to have Super Mario 3D World out there on a console people are going to buy, because that's an underappreciated classic. Oh, I will absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, for me, I think the series is definitely Mario 3D World, then Mario World, then Mario Brothers 3. So, determining the top three in the series for me is extremely tough to do. <laughs> Only because before I even give that, we've, we've got to give the expo- exposition for Super Mario Odyssey. Sure. You get the Switch, and one of the premier games on it back in its launch was Super Mario Odyssey. And you pick it up, and you're like, I'm not expecting this to be too good, like Galaxy, Galaxy 2, and Sunshine were. Because the three of those really didn't live up to Super Mario 64. And you launch Odyssey, you start off in the Cap Kingdom, and you're like, okay. Okay, this is kind of starting slow. And then you go to Cascade Kingdom. You get greeted by a beautiful landscape, this gorgeous waterfall, landing the Odyssey, and you're on the ground with an amazing, amazing track for Cascade Kingdom to start your adventure. And then you look at it and go, all right, all right, you've, you've won me over a little bit here, Nintendo. The game is very pretty. It shows what the Switch can do just as much as Breath of the Wild does. And it's one of those titles you need to pick up 
just to see what the Switch is capable of. That is for sure. I gotta tell you, and... though, what I kind of like is to see Nintendo take uh, Mario 64, and honestly, we forgot to mention Mario 64 DS, which I didn't even play, um, and kind of take the ideas out of those and just update them graphically to just be on the Switch. I want a good remake of Mario 64. I would love a true HD remake of Mario mm-hmm. 64. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, just to jump for 64 DS, you get to play as Yoshi, Mario, Luigi, and Wario. There are 150 stars. There you go. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> it. I mean, if you've played the original, you get to play a new version of the original, and that's cool, but you had to get it on the DS, and I don't think a lot of people did. Nope. nope. It was not a very good seller on the DS. Nintendo Dogs sold more copies well, than Super Mario 64 DS. I will say, if they'd had Nintendo Cats, I might have been interested. They actually did. I didn't remember it. There was Nintendo Dogs and Cats. Oh, I don't remember it. I just remember the dogs. I remember the dogs for days because an ex played that thing constantly. And there were like three or four editions of that stupid game. Yep. Yeah. But. Odyssey, Odyssey, it really, really developed even farther the 3D platforming that Nintendo originally brought into play with Super Mario 64. They they took it a step farther than they were able to with Sunshine, Galaxy, or Galaxy 2 combined. It's if it's not Breath of the Wild, I think Odyssey is the best-selling title on the Switch. I mean, I know at Be- one point Breath of the Wild was because it had like a uh, hundred and something percent attach rate for the console because everyone bought it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's still the same anymore because I, I know a lot of people are waiting for the second iteration of Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, just... The amount of things you could do in Odyssey were extremely expansive compared to its predecessors in Nintendo's 3D platforming. And on top of that, it even brought those 2D sections into play where you went back to being 8-bit Mario and were able to do 2D platforming. The controls were nice and crisp, though the use of Cappy was a little confusing yeah, as... I didn't care that much about. He was fine, but I really would have just preferred just being able to run around and explore the world on my own. Oh yeah, but you know, but having to use Cappy in order to take control of monsters and be able to use their abilities to your benefit in order to get power moons or even power stars later on, it didn't have quite the same feel that Super Mario 64 left on a lot of its audience, even now. But it still is an extremely good game. Its graphics are fantastic. Its music is phenomenal. It's it's just a very well-made game with an extremely good soundtrack. With a couple of annoyances, and if you happen to play through and get to the darker side of the moon, be ready for more or less Kaizo. Mm. I I appreciate it the most of the 3D games that came out that are like pure 3D, certainly. I do still feel, though, like Mario 3D World is a, is a more pure reflection of Mario itself. 3D World is a pure reflection of the classic Mario series. Mm-hmm. But, I think that's the thing. Is Mario 64 wasn't a classic Mario in the traditional sense of the term. But at the same time, there was a purity to it that Nintendo hasn't managed to recapture, even in the remake of Mario 64. No, they haven't. And... If they ended up doing a full-on remake of, or a full-on HD remaster of just the base Super Mario 64, no DS, none of that Mm -hmm. in it, I think that they would have an extremely well-selling game. Mm -hmm. People love that game. It's one of those games they can bring out time and again and be like, hey, look, Mario 64, enjoy. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's... 
It's such a good game. It deserved so much more than it got, but at the same time, it's the Mario series. Nintendo's never going to be done with the Mario series until the day that they close. Yeah, they, they, it, it will outlast the heat death of the universe more than likely. Oh, absolutely. So, so you got you got anything else about Mario? I mean, the only other games that come to mind are this uh party games the mario kart games which is just racing playing with friends and then the sports game which are just sports ball yeah so much of that there's there's seriously we could spend eons discussing every single game in the mario series and i don't know that we we have that in us i don't want to do that no i don't (laughs) i mean the only other games that we didn't really give exposition on as they're more in the RPG genre of the Mario side, or Paper Mario, Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door, uh, Super Paper Mario, which had more platforming aspects to it, uh, Paper Mario Sticker Star, and Paper Mario the Origami King. Which I kind of consider oh, all like and, extensions of the Mario RPG, which also includes the Mario and Luigi series as well. Oh yeah, and I missed one in that list, which was Color Splash, because that's the most easily forgotten one. <laughs> Yeah, I will admit the Paper Marios didn't hook me as much. I liked Thousand Year Door well enough, but the rest of them were okay. But, I mean, none of them really lived up to the potential of Super Mario RPG. No, none of them really did. But they all left impressions in their own ways on the Mario series. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I guess with that, unless you have anything else you want to talk about Mario, we can wrap this one up. I got nothing more. It's, oh. was That was a lot of Mario to drop. That was a lot of Mario. Oh my god. Like, you go through and you're like, eh, the Mario series, that won't take long. Oh my god, how many games are there now? Uh... <laughs> yeah, because there, there may be even more than what we talked about. Yeah. And I feel like we've forgotten some, and somehow I don't know how that's possible. It's because it's Mario. It's because it's Mario. He's everywhere. Exactly. Anyway, this has been Not So Live from Asteroid G, getting down with the Mushroom Kingdom. I am Mike Finkelstein, joined in the booth by Sonny Rath, and we will see you guys next time.